This is a Defocus Media production. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2020 Podcast, Canada's number one optometry podcast. I am your host, Dr. Harbir Sayan. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me, guys. I always appreciate taking your time away from your busy days and your schedules to learn and to grow with me. And I'm super excited. Today's episode is the first in a three-part series that we are doing on myopia management. And thanks to Essilor Exotica for partnering and sponsoring these series of conversations and helping us bring on myopia management experts to help us all get better in this space and learn what's new, what's hot, and what we should be doing to make sure we're serving our young patients at our best. And I have two amazing guests, two people that I've actually been wanting to have on the podcast for so long. And I'm so glad. I get to have them on two of my favorites in the eye care space, Dr. Shalu Paul and Dr. Millicent Knight. Thank you guys so much for coming on for this part one of this three-part series. Thank you, Dr. Sayan, for having us. Thank you, Dr. Sayan. My pleasure. My pleasure. And let's do a really quick intro, but then I'll let you guys kind of, if you want to share a little bit more about yourselves, you can do that as well. Dr. Shalu Paul is a practicing optometrist in the greater Toronto area. She's the owner of Dr. Shalu Paul and Associates, which is a big group practice, and they have all the subspecialties under one roof. Dr. Paul herself specializes in myopia management, specialty contact lens, dry eye anesthetics. Uh, she's also the co-editor of Mastering Myopia, is, which is a newsletter in myopia management. And she's part of a research group called Myopia in Practice. So she really is a super expert in the myopia management space. Always a pleasure to, to speak with you, Shalu, and, and learn from you. So I'm really happy to have you on. Dr. Millicent Knight is Senior Vice President of Medical and Professional Affairs of North America at Essilor Luxotica. She's previously the owner of North Shore Eye Center, which was a vision source practice, including myopia management care at her practice at that time. And of course, Dr. Knight is really a legend in the eye care industry and someone I'm sure you're going to see around a lot if you haven't already. Thank you again for joining us, Dr. Knight. Thank you. Let's start. If there's anything else you guys want to mention about yourselves, please feel free to. But we'll go through the conversation. And I think everybody who's listening and watching is going to understand pretty quickly how well-versed you guys are in myopia management and the level of expertise that you have in this space. And it's nice to sort of bring these two perspectives, practicing clinical expertise from Dr. Paul and that industry and sort of research insight from Dr. Knight, kind of bringing it together in this conversation. So let's start the conversation a little more broadly. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of noise, a lot of talk, and a lot of excitement about myopia. It's an epidemic, as we know, and there's lots of changes happening in this space. From your standpoint, Dr. Knight, where do you see Essilor Luxotica's role in this space? Well, thanks. I've always been a patient care advocate, first clinically in my own practice, and I'm really proud to represent Essilor Luxotica in this space because Essilor Luxotica has also been a champion for many, many years. Actually, Essilor started in 1849, Essilor International. So we've really been in the eye care space for a long time, and then Essilor of the Americas started in 1972. And since that time, we've been a champion of all types of vision care issues, but we've spent probably over 30 years in research and development, specifically looking at ways to better manage myopia. And so we believe as a leader in this industry that that's our responsibility and something that we take very seriously. That's great. And 
actually, before we move on, I want to just mention uh, to everybody who's listening and watching, as we go through this conversation, you'll probably want to learn more based on some of the things we talk about. There is a link in, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, there'll be a link in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a link just below here in the caption where you can go to the Essilor website and learn more. There's more information for ECPs who are wanting to get more information and more tools in myopia management. So make sure you check that out. I'll kind of mention that a couple more times so you don't forget. I also wanted to just add to that note that in addition, we partner with eye care providers all the time. Hmm. And one of the things that we believe with uh, myopia control and myopia management is that it's an excellent opportunity for doctors and their teams to really be able to be proactive and differentiate their practices in providing this type of care to the pediatric population, which sometimes is a bit overlooked. We believe in comprehensive eye examinations, eye examinations as early as possible, and managing those children in a regular cadence. And we have access to the Myopia Expert. It's a 700 series. It's a tool that can help with diagnosing myopia. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about this, I know, but we are, we've also brought to market the Stellast lens lenses, which have an over 67% efficacy in controlling the progression of myopia when they're uh, compared to single vision lenses when they're worn for 12 hours a day. Wonderful. So we're super Wonderful. excited about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm personally, I'm very, very excited. So I myself, spend quite a bit of time talking about myopia in the office and have we really leaned into that in our practice, myopia management. And in fact, I even give a lecture, COPE-approved lecture. I'm self-promotion all the time here. I'm always <laughs> shameless <laughs> self-promotion here. But my lecture is called the Myopia Startup. And the name sort of gives it away. It's sort of a way to educate our colleagues and encourage them to get started in myopia management. I'm super excited about the fact that we have these tools available to us and treatment options that just a few years ago we didn't have, right? It's a pretty cool time to be practicing optometry and specifically a cool time to be seeing our young patients and helping them the way we can now. And I wanted to lean into that now with Dr. Paul. What does that look like for you in your practice? What types of conversations are you having? At what point in the patient journey does a parent or patients start to learn about myopia and the fact that there is myopia management available. If you wouldn't mind, I know it's a bit of an open-ended question, but if you could walk us through, what does that look like for you? And, you know, because part of, I want to phrase this or put a bit of context on this. A lot of our colleagues who are listening and watching are really interested and perhaps they're having the conversation, but they're not sure how to lean into it and really bring it into their practice. So I want to make sure we give them something very tangible to take out of this so that When they go back to work tomorrow or the day after, they can say, here's what I'm going to implement, one, two, three. So please take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Learning about myopia management starts in many different places. And I believe it starts before patients even come into our office. Patients hear it from other parents that have their children in this program. So it it starts by word of mouth. We have an ability through our social media platforms and through our websites to start talking about myopia management. So people are coming in asking about it. But once in the office, there are many different methods which we employ to teach people about myopia management. And one is I have a device that measures axial length and I have every trial have it done on them during their initial testing under the age of 19. So I make it simple for my staff. I don't have them think, is this a myope? Is this a hyperop? Do I need to do it? Do I not? It's just blanket. All kids under the age of 19 will have axial length done. And what that does is it sparks the question from parents, what's this new instrument? What are you doing that's new? So the staff are prepared with conversation pieces to be able to say, hey, this is what's going on. And and Dr. Paul will talk to you a little bit more about it when you're in the exam room. In the exam room, 
I talk it, about it to every expecting parent, whether I, I know they're having a boy or a girl, a myobar I broke, I'm talking to them about it. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to parents, mentioning it to anyone that has access to children that need to be hearing about this. Mm. And of course, every myope, every myope that's in the right age group, which is under 22 for me, I'm talking wow. about myopia management to them. And in and the conversation doesn't have to be so big and grand. The conversation is about, you know how incredible it is to be a myope right now in this age category because we can do something about it. And we've got great tools at our disposal. Other places in the world, our colleagues down below in the, yeah. in the U.S. don't have access to this. And right. I feel so lucky to be able to have this as an option for my patient. So for me, it's a regular conversation that comes up so much of my day. That's excellent. And that, again, one of the things that when I talk to my our colleagues and my friends about this, the number one thing I say is just talk about it. Start the conversation. You're educating. It's helping in multiple ways. One is you're educating the parents about what's available. But for yourself as a practitioner, you're helping your, the more you talk about it, the more you can streamline that conversation and make it more succinct and, and effective. I love the point about having the axial length because again, it's more data points for us to measure potential change over time, but it's a solid, tangible thing to show a parent to say, look what we're measuring and look, here's what it should be. Here's what it is. It's a lot more easy to understand that versus just verbalizing and trying to explain it to them. So that's really great. So on that note, when you are speaking with a parent in the exam room, do you get a lot of skepticism, any pushback on this topic? Because the idea of myopia management is pretty new for a lot of our patients, of course. So do you get a pushback? And then how do you overcome that and help patients and parents understand the benefit? Yeah, it's a really good question. And to properly answer it, I think I need to give you a little bit of history about my journey. Mm. I have been talking about myopia management for over 10 years. And when I started my journey of learning and understanding and diving in, like I've been fitting orthokey lenses since 2004. It's been a long time, right? Oh. But this real deep dive into myopia management started just over a decade ago. And in the beginning, as I was learning, I was talking too much. I was talking about studies and facts and everything I was learning, I was sharing. I sat back and I'm like, what am I doing? Am I trying to convince them or am I trying to convince myself that this mm. is something good? And as the conversations and things evolved and I started to learn more and I actually became true believer of the power of myopia management and what we're capable of doing and how we can help people, my conversations changed. I stopped trying to convince them because I was different. And now it became, you're a myope? This is standard of care. This is my recommendation for you as a myope. You're a parent of a myope. This is what is best for your child. There wasn't this long conversation of here's what we used to do and here's what we do now and you get to choose and here's the price difference. It's just this is the best. Mm -hmm. This is the best recommendation I can give you. And now my decision making process comes down to together child and parent, do we want to be looking at a strategy that involves contacts or plastic? And we're lucky. We have that option. We can have that. Right. That's true. That's what the conversation is about, which is what we always do. And then I give the best recommendation. And for a myope, it's always going to be a myopia management strategy. Yeah, I love that. And I think that confidence, that's part of the other thing is the more you talk about it, the more you understand, like you get the feedback from the parent about what's landing, what's not landing. When is it too much information or not enough information? You can tailor that. Yeah. But really, once you've seen that it works, you get that confidence in your mind that there's no question. This is the path. I use that analogy with dry eye a lot, but in myopia management, it's the same thing. And the parent, they, they feel that, yeah. that confidence. Right. You will have 
occasionally, and it's very occasional where you will have some parents that are like, this is different. This is different than what we went through, mm-hmm. right? As kids and as teenagers and I'm not. And we will talk a little bit more and some will want more research. I will present the data and I will show them. I will say, you know what? I can send you that stuff. I've got email templates ready to go. Here's the latest studies. That's not as often as what it used to be, because now this is just like my normal practice where I would recommend a single vision with AR coding. This is now I'm recommending the stainless lens with our anti-reflective coating, right? It's just, yes. That's great. And again, that's going to come from actually speaking about it and getting the hands-on experience with it, really kind of getting your hands in the mud, so to speak. Let's talk a little bit about the technology then in that stainless lens to give a bit of a more in-depth background on it. The HALT technology, if we can speak a little bit about that. Dr. Knight, if you want to speak to that, up to you, whoever wants to take that one. Shelly, you can feel free to chime in. I would say, though, just to your previous comments, your patients and the parents trust you. If you have a good working relationship with them and you make a recommendation, often they're willing to go along with that recommendation. But I think you have to meet the patient where they are. To your point, there are going to be some who want more data. And fortunately, we have great data. We have just published three-year studies in the American Academy of Ophthalmology Journal. More recently, we presented the four-year study results at Arvo, and they've been very, very compelling. And they're digestible information, so it's not so convoluted that parents kind of gloss over it, but it gives them the important, the pertinent information that they need to know to feel confident to move forward if they happen to be that more analytical type patient or parent who needs to know more information. So I think to your point, you need to meet them where they are. And the aspheric lenses that we have work really well at being able to, in most cases, as long as a child is wearing the glasses as they were prescribed, and our recommendation is for 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. as a full day, that we're getting the efficacy of almost a full diopter of slowdown in the progression of axial length, as well as over 67% reduction in the progression of myopia. So it's really exciting, exciting results and consistent. That's significant. Absolutely. Very significant. One of the other key areas that we really wanted to track is whether or not children as they get older, if the results remain steady and still work for them. And they do. So that's something that we can all be excited about when prescribing these lenses for those slightly older teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Shalu mentioned that goes all the way up to 22. Is it that what you said? Is that the age that you to anybody under the age of 22 you're considering as a potentially progressing myope? My rationale behind that is when we think about LASIK and LASIK candidates, they don't want to touch anyone under the age of 25, right? Because that's they want to wait till people have stopped progressing. So that's kind of the age I've planted in my head of until then, why are we not talking about it? We may not have the research behind those teenagers, but we know that progression is still happening. So good deductive reasoning that makes sense to me to continue the conversations a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. We do want to generally stick to what's been studied and what's been written and proven, so to speak, and peer reviewed and all of that. Of course, we want to stick to that as kind of our basis. But anecdotally, put an asterisk here by what we're seeing now, Shelley, like I've used this for older teenagers as well. And it just sort of makes sense. If they're still progressing at 17, 18 years old, well, why are they not you know, we don't just say you're 16. Oh, you don't care if you progress anymore. <laughs> you know, it doesn't right. make any sense. We're going to continue to try to do what we can to help. That's the point. Now get it. There's no scientific data to support that. That's fine. But yeah. anecdotally, I think yourself, myself, and other colleagues I've spoken to have shared that, that they've seen that it's, it's been beneficial. So put an yeah, asterisk there, guys. Help. Don't hold anybody. Don't 
quote and put us against the market. We're like, not doing any harm, right? And we're giving them better option than just a single vision lens. So when you have a 17-year-old that's coming in nervous and that's still progressing and saying, can I do something? Would you say no? Would you say, right. yeah, I have an option for you? Of course. Right? Sure, we don't have the data to support it, but it's definitely a better option than, than just giving a single vision product for sure. Absolutely. Well, and even the children who were in the control group wearing single vision lenses, once they were changed into the hall lenses, they immediately saw great results too. So yeah. we know it works and it works very effectively. So I'd like to zoom back out a little bit. So we started kind of very broad global epidemic and we zoomed into clinical, you know, Shalu giving us some insight on what's happening in her practice. Let's zoom back out again now, global again, or broad view. You mentioned, Dr. Knight, that Essilor is investing in time and, and money and research and other things. There's partnerships that have been developed. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that because it's it's not just in the clinic here. We're trying to create awareness globally for patients and ECPs alike. So again, a bit of a broad question, but I'm specifically teeing you up to tell us a little bit about a very specific initiative here. So I'd love for you to tell us about that, please. Well, let me start first by saying that when you're building a new category like this, myopia has been around for a long time, but we haven't had the tools available to really be able to control it. So when you're building a new category, that's not something usually that one company can do on their own. And sometimes it takes the commitment of a number of companies and associations and other stakeholders working together to really make that happen. And you've got to really start by building a runway. And I like to say we've started building the runway before we had a lens to take off, but it was the right thing to do to start with educating the consumer and the patients about what was at risk and about this growing pandemic around this. We have the data, so it doesn't make sense for us to not educate and do everything that we can to make sure that our patients are aware of the challenges that that might face them if we are, first of all, not committed to preventing and providing good recommendations that, first of all, can help prevent the onset of myopia, and then being able to manage its progression so that the child does not progress to the point later in life where there's, we now know our, where we have diseases and eye diseases that are associated with longstanding progressive myopia. And if we can prevent that, why wouldn't we? So Essel Luxotica was one of the earlier organizers, if you will, in particular, one organization called the Global Myopia Awareness Coalition, or affectionately called GMAC. And that organization is, what I'm really impressed about it is that it is right now 13 companies, along with associations throughout the industry, both in optometry and in ophthalmology. We also have an advisory committee of key stakeholders, which include pediatricians, optometrists, ophthalmologists, nurses, school teachers, everyone who touches that child, everyone who can advise and make recommendations for that child. We want to touch to make sure that we're all working together, holding hands to build this category and to make sure that we take care of the children the right way. And so the exciting thing about that is that we're really focused on really creative, energetic, influencing campaigns. And we actually have one that's going to be starting in, we actually have one that's going to be starting very shortly and rolling out both in the U.S. and in the Canadian markets. And we've done the research in both areas to make sure that we really had a profound message that resonated with those stakeholders in the specific areas. We've had the support of more recently a Canada Association of Optometry joining GMAC, which has been fantastic because they have helped us with being able to carve the messaging out to the Canadian population so that it really 
has the stickiness that we're looking for. And so this has been a really exciting initiative, being able to look at parent influencers. We have found that to be a very effective way of being able to share great content Uh, very natural content and good information in a way that people can consume it. We've also worked with pediatricians in this space, and we'll also continue to work with eye care professional influencers to ensure that we have a kind of messaging that resonates with everyone and we take advantage of every platform that we have available to do that as well. So actually more recently, I think Dr. Paul had two of our, one of our influencer families in her office, in her practice, and I'd love to hear more about how that went. Yeah. Oh, my God, Dr. Knight, it was so much fun. We had both Matt and Nat come in with their children, and we just had so much fun with them, teaching them about eye care, the importance of eye exams, the importance of children's eye exams, and how vital good vision is to proper education and learning. We talked about myopia management. We talked about axial length. We talked in depth about how myopia management spectacles and contact lenses actually function and creating that parabolic shape on the retina. We just talked about it all. They loved it. They loved the experience. We had so much fun with them in the office. And and it was a great time for, for everyone to really just learn about what's new and what's happening in the industry right now. And they were amazed. They were amazed at, at how how much the profession is progressing and what's possible for their kids, which was not possible for them when they were younger. Well, it's really fantastic that the Canadian Association of Optometry, along with the World Council of Optometry, have really established myopia control as a standard of care. And so now that we have all these resources available, which when I first started managing these patients with myopia, we didn't have the resources available, but now we have tools, we have really cool technology, we have great innovations now, everything that you need in that toolbox to be able to effectively manage these children. And so there really is no reason now for doctors to not be engaged in this area. And we're here to help in any way that we can as Essilor Luxatica. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. While it's still sort of early stages of myopia management and building this up, it's come along really quickly and there's so many resources now. And I'm going to use that as a segue to quickly mention again, there's the link in the show notes. And and if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be linked in the caption there that Essilor has provided. And on that link, you'll find information about Stellist and other resources available for ECPs who want to get more into myopia management. So please do check that out. And also look into GMAC and look into the companies that are involved in that because all of those companies are going to be excited to provide us with the resources and education and information we need to, to get more involved. I think it's really great that you mentioned in there ophthalmologists and pediatricians and nurses are involved in that because every single time I give this lecture, the question I get at the end is, what's the conversation like with ophthalmologists? Because there's a gap there in what we are doing and what we want to do compared to what ophthalmology is doing. And so to have something that's going to help to bridge that gap and make it so everybody's on the same level as far as the conversation that are happening with the kids and their parents, I think that's really important. One of the things I did mention is with these 13 companies and the in-kind contributions that we get from a lot of our key media companies, they have really stepped up in a big way, is that we don't talk about who you should see, whether you see an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, pediatric ophthalmologist. We stay in a neutral space. And so some of the companies are actually competitors. You just don't see that in this industry with people working together like that. But we're all passionate about making sure that the patient is well taken care of and using all of our resources to make sure that we're able to do that. And so we talk about making sure that the child gets in for early as possible eye examination, 
an eye examination on a regular cadence, a comprehensive eye examination. And we want to make sure that even if the parents have the tools to have the right discussion, because I know that that can also be challenging for parents when they don't feel like they have the right verbiage to be able to articulate to the doctor what it is that they want to do. So if you go to myopiaawareness.org, that is a GMAC website, we actually have talking points for the parents. They can download it, print it, take it in and feel confident having that conversation with their doctors. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's a really great point, Dr. Knight. Actually, we all have this, right? We may not want to ask a question the risk of sounding dumb or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice to empower parents to give them a little bit of knowledge and confidence to ask the right questions and start the conversation. That's really great. Down the road, we really want parents and the conversation that I think we might be having later or we've had But we've, over the years, have been talking about for a while from some of the research that we've done. Parents are not taking their children in to have eye examinations, and they should be doing that before they start school. And you don't see the same thing with going to see the dentist or the pediatrician. And our aspiration is that placing value on the importance of eye care will be right up there with these other areas that are also super important. Yeah, I think that education of the public is extremely important. You're right. There's something there that's sort of missing in that parents will know that they got to take their child to the doctor, of course, pediatrician, of course, or the dentist. A lot of times Mm -hmm. parents are not aware that initial that early eye exam is so important. And, you know, we know the stats have been there forever. 80% of our learning is through our vision. And, you know, there's at least I think a quarter, I don't know if this is a Canadian stat, at least 25% of kids have some sort of vision related issue, which may affect their learning that 25% is a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And How many times have we seen this when parents come in, they think, of course, that their child is doing just fine visually, but there are, it's tough to pick it up when the child is three, four years old, that they may have a vision related issue. And when they come in, of course, we uncover that and parents are often surprised that there is a problem there. It's something that needs to be addressed. So building that overall awareness, importance of the eye exam is very important as well. So we're going to zoom back in real quick here. I want to wrap up with, again, remember I was saying I want to have something tangible for our colleagues who are listening to take away from this to start to implement in their practice. And so I thought we could wrap up with sharing a couple of best practices in in myopia management and implementing or prescribing spectacle lens options for our colleagues in their practices. So Dr. Paul, I imagine this is going to be more your wheelhouse now, but if you don't mind, maybe two or three things that you want to just share with us that you think will really help our colleagues to hit the ground running when they go back to work. (laughs) Just two or three? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think it is so important that you involve the child in the decision-making process. Parents may come in, know exactly what they want, but just last week I had a child whose parent was like, we want ortho K, we want ortho K. And I looked at the child and she was terrified. And she looked at me and I said, what would you like to do? She goes, Dr. Pell, can I just stay in my glasses? And I'm like, yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely can. So then I was able to bring that option to the parent and bridge that gap between the two. So involving the child is so important. Your staff, absolutely vital. Absolutely vital in this process because they can help you with answering a lot of questions. This lens is so easy to fit. I do happy calls on all of my patients. And over the last two years, everyone that we have called has said, I'm good. There has been no non-adept. We have had no issues. So really involving my staff in the process to make sure that they are helping in this, that's really, really important. Remembering that it's easy, remembering that it's 
got great adaptation, remembering standard of care, and this should be standard of care, and just start, start having the conversations. I know we have axial length, but when we started, we didn't. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have the nice, beautiful instrumentation we have now. We didn't have it. Then we did develop and get the A-scan, which we were using to convince ourselves that it was worthwhile. And then from there, we moved up to the axial length measurement device we have now. But we didn't start that way, and you don't have to start that way. I think you start by having the conversation, dive in and educate yourself so you become a believer in the impact that we can actually have and really having a significant impact in improving the quality of life of our patients and realizing that we make a difference. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the wonderful ways that we can do it. Love it. Really great. And again, I think that's approachable advice. You're not saying go invest in tens of thousands of dollars of equipment or anything. It's all right there for us to do. And it is very for lack of a better term, it's easy, it's simple for us to do this, to have that conversation and start prescribing the Stellus lens or whatever other modality you want to offer in your office. So that's really great. Thank you very much for sharing that. Dr. Knight, any final words that you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. Again, I started with talking about the strong commitment that Eslo Luxottica has had in this eye care space and specifically around lenses. And we will continue to bring compelling innovation to the marketplace mm-hmm. in this space. So I'm just putting that out there and uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to continue that journey because we're here for the long haul in this area and we'll continue to bring new technologies in the instrument space and anything that gives that wraparound support to the doctor and their full team, because everyone on the team is important in being able to manage that. We also have a learning management system, Leonardo, which also supports the doctors and being able to get their team and their staff and the uh, we, I like to call them a myopia champion, educated and feeling comfortable and confident having those additional conversations that we know sometimes after the parent leaves the doctor's office, often they have other questions that come up in their minds or things that they may not have been comfortable asking the doctor. If you've got a good myopia champion, one of the staff members, they can take those questions on. So that is the one area in sub- directly supporting the doctors and their team. The other thing that we'll continue to do is support organizations, which we have been from the very beginning, organizations like the International Myopia Institute, which as you develops a lot of the white papers that some of the clinical data comes through, and we've been able to extrapolate to help come up with some of the clinical guidelines for being able to manage myopia. And then Myopia Profile, we partnered with them with the learning management system I just spoke about with uh, Leonardo, with being able to continually train staff so that they, again, feel comfortable and confident really being able to help the doctor manage those patients effectively. So that's our commitment. We're here for the long haul and anything that we can do to support the patient's journey, we're here to do that. Can I just say thank you? Like, thank you for giving us those opportunities, those innovations, because, you know, Dr. San and I couldn't do what we do to the level that we do it without the innovation that's brought to us. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Paul. Again, we have that continued commitment from us. Wonderful. And Shalu, any final words of wisdom before we wrap up? I think you just got to dive in and just start. We have myopes in our chairs. You just have to start the conversations and get over that hump of how do I do this? There are so many tools out there. You've already mentioned so many. You don't have to build anything. Everything is there for you. Every resource that you need to give a parent, it's already built for you. Just literally need to start having the conversations and trusting the work that's been done already and trusting that this is the right thing and prove it to yourself. 
dive in and really make this truly standard of care for your practice. I think that phrase standard of care is really important for us to like imprint in our brain. brain, You know what I mean? Because then you look at a child differently. Every time you see that child, you understand have to look at this child and treat this child differently than I have in the past, for sure. We should be looking at the parents and and grandparents differently too. And looking at to Dr. Paul's earlier comments, she has start having that conversation with everyone, Mm. teachers, nurses, you have them sitting in your chair every single day. Ask mothers about it. Ask fathers about it. Ask grandparents about it. Grandparents are really big advocates of making sure that their grandkids get in. You have the audience. They're sitting in your chair every single day. Take the opportunity to educate them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, both of you, Dr. Knight, Dr. Powell, for joining me for this conversation. Really appreciate it. Like I said, honestly, are two of my favorite people in the eye care space. So to have you both on at the same time is a real pleasure. (laughs) It's a real honor. Thank you for coming on. And thank you to Essler Luxotica for partnering on this three-part series. So again, this is part number one of this three-part series of conversations on myopia management. We'll be bringing in different experts for each conversation to help us along in our journey as ECPs to improve the way that we treat our young patients. Make sure you stay tuned for all three parts. They'll be coming out pretty close together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Also, before I do the real sign-off, don't forget, there'll be some links in the show notes if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, and those links just below us in the video if you're watching on YouTube to the Essilor page where you can get different resources and education. I'll put the link for the GMAC website and also the Leonardo platform. So all of it's there, everything we talked about. Make sure you check out those links so you can really get briefed up on everything that you need to be. So thanks again for joining me here on the 2020 podcast, Canada's number one optometry podcast. I will see you very soon in the next episode.